Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Potomac Perspective. I'm Neil Shapiro, head of communications at Stiefel, joined as always by Brian Gardner, our chief Washington policy strategist. Good afternoon, Brian. Good afternoon, Neil. How are you? I'm doing okay. Uh, you know, baseball season continues to grind forward. Uh, it's been a tough few weeks for, uh, for, for my team. Yankees. Um, and I see that your Mets have... Uh, widen the lead a little bit in the in the east they have they've widened the lead and you know it's funny i went back and looked and we started this podcast right as baseball season was starting and uh we joked about baseball and i said you know world series championships are not won in april well we're now in august and i agree the mets look as good now as they have all season they've got to grom back i was there this weekend um it's exciting i will say that yeah, I, I I wasn't thrilled about some of the one trade in particular the Yankees made the Montgomery trade, which I, I just thought was a bad trade. So that, I think that's left some Yankee fans, myself included, feeling um, uh, le- a lot less confident in the team. Yeah. I think it's psychologically, I think it shook the team up negatively, but we'll, we'll see. But and then, and they ha- and they have some injuries too with yeah uh, Stanton still out, Rizzo still out, Carpenter now now Carpenter. Um, but as bad as the um, uh, as bad as the Yankee injury situation, it's still not, not as bad as the Red Sox with Chris Sale now going out. That is true. Is, I mean, it, it's just incredible. That is true. And that division, I believe, every team is over five hundred for now, which is yes. the only division in baseball. Yeah. And the other prop I'll give, and then we'll get to all the Washington stuff um, because Stevel hasn't given us a baseball podcast yet, even though we're working on that. I will say, two weeks ago. Um, one of our colleagues in St. Louis reminded me, don't count the Cardinals out because they're an August team. And lo and behold, the Cardinals, I believe, have won 10 of 11 or 11 of 12, some crazy statistics. And they're, they're, they're the beneficiary of that bad Yankee trade that I just talked about. So yeah. we're going to help them out. All right. Let's talk Washington. All right. Well, anyway, we got to work on that baseball podcast. That's the next one from Steeple. All right. So let's move on to Washington, which is a sport all in a, you know, a different kind of sport. And when we talked last time, we had the surprise Sunday night agreement um, that is known as the Inflation Reduction Act. Since we spoke about that, the Senate has passed it. And it does now, Brian, correct me if I'm wrong, it does look like the House is getting ready to uh, look at it and eventually pass it. Um, A, am I correct? Will the House pass this bill? And if I am correct, and it does pass the House, um, what does that say? What are we looking at? So, yeah, I, I think that is correct. Uh, I think the House will be back in a couple of days to, to pass it. Um, you know, as, as we've talked about before, there was always this threat in the House from some Northeast Democrats who represent high tax states and wanted relief from the state and local tax deduction cap, the SALT cap. And the, the, um, the, the, their mantra was no SALT, no deal. Well, their no salt, no deal threat had no teeth. Yeah, hold the salt. They're, they're going. Yes, they're gonna. They're gonna go along with the bill. They're going to. Uh, Democrats will vote for it. It, it may lose a single vote, um, but that's it. Um, so the bill will probably pass uh, the House in the next couple of days, um, and the president will sign it. And then what happens is Congress starts looking to fix a few things because it's. Um, it's uh, it's far from perfect, but there are known defects in the bill. Um, 
uh, insulin. Um, the cap on insulin prices was dropped because it violated those technical complex reconciliation rules. Um, Democrats think they have a political winner here. Um, some Republicans are probably supporting them on the insulin issue. So uh, they could get some uh, GOP votes. So I think that will come back uh, later on. The electric vehicle tax credit issue. Um, it has the, 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 that tax credit includes domestic content rules and it makes it really difficult to qualify for the credit. Parts of the vehicle have to, the, the vast majority of them have to come from the US. They cannot come from China. They cannot come from Russia. Well, there are certain parts um, where the Chinese or the Russians have a monopoly, monopoly yeah. on, on that. And so uh, good luck uh, qualifying for those credits. So um, they may try and ease the domestic content rules. Um, and then there's um, one of the more controversial parts of the bill was, or not really part of the bill, but it's the side deal, Senator Manchin's side deal on energy permitting, mm -hmm. that he was going to get a separate vote um, on future legislation. But there's a problem there. Um, one, progressives don't support it. They never have. Um, so he, he has a problem within his own party. But the, the bigger problem now is that Republicans may not help him out. Um, there are some really hard feelings in uh, in the Senate among Republicans about this reconciliation belt, bill, the, the IRA, because Republicans were operating rightly or wrongly. They were operating under the assumption that reconciliation was only going to be the prescription drug portion and the Obamacare policy subsidy portion. And that was it. And lo and behold, uh, they come out with a deal um, right after the CHIPS Act passed. And you know, I probably step, uh, skipped a step here, but Republicans decided to let the CHIPS Act, which was just subsidy for domestic chip fabrication. Mm -hmm. They let that go ahead on the belief that reconciliation was going to be very limited. CHIPS Act passes, the new reconciliation bill, the Inflation Reduction Act is announced a couple of hours later. This bait and switch um, is going to leave a lot of hard feelings for a while. And, um, you know, look, I, I can very easily argue that Senator Manchin never promised Republicans that he was going to limit the reconciliation bill. Um, but that's the belief on the Republican side. So, can, you know, will they will they ch chip in to help get this energy permitting section done in a, in a future bill? I wouldn't bet the the farm on it right now. No pun intended. The no chip. Yes. Yeah, I got that. Um, well, you know what? Speaking of the the Chips Act, so uh, Biden's going to sign that, and by the time our podcast goes live, he probably will have already done so. I think he uh, actually, yeah, I think he's done so as as yeah. we speak. We should be doing uh, this live from the from the uh, South Lawn of the White House live podcast. Exactly. All right. So the Chips Act, the Chips Act is now law, right? Biden has signed it. Um, he's probably, I would say, probably not. Probably, he's most likely going to sign the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, assuming it gets passed by the House, which is we just discussed. Um, so it's actually shaping up. I mean, we've talked a lot on these podcasts about Biden's low approval numbers and a lot of um, issues not going his way. It does seem like he's had a, a couple of, uh, a few good weeks under his belt now. What do you think that does? Does it impact the midterms? Because we're getting closer to those too. So let, let's start with the, um, the last couple of weeks. 
I think politically, the president has had the best two weeks since the earliest months of his presidency. There's no doubt about it. Um, really, ever since um, some of the uh, a- after the the American Recovery uh, Plan Act was was uh, which was the COVID relief package in in March of 21. Right after that, you started having um, problems with the border. Afghanistan then followed after that, and and it's just been bad news after bad news. This is the best two weeks he's had Mm -hmm. since then. There's no doubt. But I do question how much these Washington events are going to impact the midterms. Minus the fact that he had COVID twice. (laughs) I'll I'll leave that out. Yes. Um, You know what? Given given his uh, political wins up on the Hill, he'll take the COVID twice. uh, You know, if you're if he was asked to uh, choose between the two i think he'd uh, he might take the uh the legislative victory so i'm gonna go out on a limb on that one okay um but so you know gas prices have declined over the last couple of weeks but core inflation um seems to still be high and we're going to get uh some more inflation readings um after our podcast um so you know there are still worries among voters about inflation that has dis- that has not dissipated much um crime is still an issue Border security is an issue, and I think it's going to get more attention in in the coming weeks. Um, Democrats also had a little bit of a respite um, with the abortion vote in Kansas. Um, That gave them some additional hope for November. Now, I think that was a unique situation because it was an actual referendum on the ballot, and that drove up turnout. There's not going to be similar referendums in November. Um, So... You know, the, 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 you know I, I'm, I'm still questioning, as we've talked about before, how much this issue, abortion, is going to drive the midterms. I'm still skeptical. But it's had the GOP on the defensive for a couple of months, a couple of weeks since the court case. Um, but, you know, for the first, you know, even with them on the defensive, the FBI, um, you know, almost bailed out the Republicans and by giving them and, and Trump supporters a lifeline by executing the search warrant at Mar-a-Lago last night, which is going to really whip up uh, and unify the Republican base in ways that I think a lot of people continue for reasons I don't understand, but continue to underestimate the 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 backlash to all of this. Well, it certainly whipped up the Trump family. We've seen We've seen all the members of the Trumps coming out and talking about that uh, the raid. But but and you but you you know seriously when you look at the the, the response across the the spectrum of of Republicans, um, it's unanimously mm. in support of the president of the former president, I should say. So um, I, I think this um, I think this it, it, as if Republicans didn't need another reason to get out and vote. This is a. This will remind them uh, of their need to get to the uh, the ballot to the, yeah. uh, the ballot in uh, in November. Well, actually, that so that's a good place for us to go to the next question, which are which is where where are we with the midterms? We've got a few months left. There have been some key primaries held in states around the country. So, where would you uh, handicap things right now? So, you know, I, I actually think we're still in a similar space place uh, where we have been for months. Um, Republicans are likely to win the House. I have little doubt about that. Um, the president's job approval numbers, despite the kind of political wins, have yet to budge. They're still in in very weak territory. 
the direction of the country polling. It's atrocious mm. for the president and Democrats. I mean, we've talked about this before, but um, if you compare it to the Trump presidency, the, the wrong track number has uh, been the majority for, for years, right? This is not new. Um, during the Trump presidency, most of the time, somewhere in the mid 50s of the country, 54, 55% said the country was on the wrong track. It would, that would spike a couple of times after Charlottesville during COVID. But during the bulk of the presidency, during the Trump presidency, it was in the mid 50s. 50s yeah. It's now around 70. Yeah. You know, it's really gapped out. Um, yeah. So that that's a bad sign. And then the generic polls, um, uh, they've tightened a little bit, but not not significantly. Um, but again, this that that's the House. The Senate's another story. Um, uh, Republicans have had a, only have a ha- handful of opportunities to flip seats. Um, they're underperforming in some key races like Georgia and Arizona, where there was just a primary. Um, they're underperforming in Pennsylvania. They're going to struggle to hold on to that key seat. Uh, Missouri just had its primary and, and Republicans averted disaster by not nominating the former governor. So I think the, the GOP should feel better about that race um, and holding that. But um, the party's going to have to spend a lot more time and resources defending seats like Ohio, which should be a layup. Um, so that doesn't bode well for Republican chances of flipping the Senate in uh, in November. And. That all said, Brian, what do you think longer term for, you know, we talked about the midterms, that's in November, we've got 23, then 24 is right behind behind it. So um, what do you think longer term? So longer term, um, as we look into 23 and what this all means for policy, um, the Mar-a-Lago search, as I alluded to, is going to whip up the GOP base and it's going, it's so... The, the bulk of the ha- of the time in the House, let's just assume for the, our, the sake of our conversation that Republicans do win back the House, the bulk of their time and energy is going to be devoted to investigations. So they're going to be investigating the FBI. They're going to be investigating Hunter Biden. They're going to be investigating crime across the country. They're going to be investigating immigration and border security. So that's the bulk of the um, Republican focus in 23. Yeah. Um, there's going to be a lot of resistance um, from the Republican base to working with the administration on Democrats. That's going to make it tougher to get government funding bills passed. So that increases the chance of government shutdowns. And we could see some debt ceiling showdowns. The debt ceiling has to be raised in 23. Democrats actually might try and uh, accelerate that and do it in 22 while they still have uh, power in Congress and kind of clear the decks. But let's just, for the sake, for the sake of argument, say that doesn't happen. Um, I could see a debt ceiling showdown uh, in, um, in 2023, because I think we're, the Republican leadership is going to struggle to keep its members in line because those lawmakers are going to be feeling pressure from their voters back home. So, um, and then, you know, in turn, that kind of that puts a lot of pressure on the regulators because that's the only policy lever that's going to, to that's going to exist. So I, I do think there's going to continue to be uh, a lot of action at the regulatory level, but the legislative level, the congressional level, I, I I think it's it's going to uh, um, 
have a tough time functioning at a very basic level. Wow. Well, we've seen that before, so I'm sure. Yes. I mean, I'm, 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 the first and, time, and, and it won't be the last time. And 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 maybe Neil, that that's a key takeaway for investors. Um, you know, this isn't the first rodeo. Um, uh, this has happened before. Um, it, there's going to be um, some some volatility in the markets, but at the end of the day, this, this stuff tends to sort itself out. These tend to be short-term phenomenons, and then the fundamentals start to reassert themselves afterwards. So, um, you know, maybe the takeaway for investors is be nimble. Um, these can actually provide um, opportunities. Um, mm-hmm. If there, you know, if there's a sell-off in a particular sector or stock that you like because of political uncertainty, that political certainty eventually clears itself up and fundamentals reassert itself. So that, that, that's the, that's the optimistic takeaway from today. Don't let, Congress get in the way of a good investment idea. Or, or take advantage when Congress yeah. roils the markets. It, it, can, it, it actually can be a, an entry opportunity. Talk to your Stiefel financial advisor for more. That's it. All right. Well, Brian, that's, that's, I think that's all the time we have for this episode of Potomac Perspective. Thank you as always. It's always interesting, entertaining, and informative. So thank you. Thank you, Neil. And thanks to everyone for listening. Don't forget, subscribe, download uh, Potomac Perspective on your favorite podcast platform, and we will see you next time.